Today is the first day of the cell phone ban in Ontario classrooms. Let's get right down to it on the line right now. Uh, Stephen Lecce, who is the education minister, welcome to the show. Trust you had a good weekend. Good morning, Kelly. It was a busy weekend, but a very positive weekend as we uh, lead into uh, today's announcement. Yeah, the announcement is the ban on the use of cell phones in Ontario classrooms. It comes into effect today. Uh, I think a lot of people are assuming that phones will not physically be allowed in the classroom. That's not necessarily true. What is this ban going to look like? Yeah, so it's a restriction. And I think uh, just to provide a bit of context here, we heard we had a consultation. 97% of educators, parents, and even students themselves acknowledged that there is a need to create further uh, focus in the classroom. There's many impediments to learning. And we look, I'm a generational public servant. I'm the youngest public, the minister of education in the province's history. I'm the last person to tell you, Kelly, technology can be an, an inherently a negative. I believe we have to have technological fluidity for the next generation of workers and innovators in the province. We have to embrace that technology. But if it's not for scholastic achievement, if it isn't for academic purpose, it shouldn't be in the class. And that's the point. So what it means today, functionally or operationally, you can have a, a cell phone on your person. You can have it in your backpack or you know your purse or whatever, but you can't have it on your desk unless it is literally and only for instructional purpose. So your teacher in geography class, for example, says take out your laptop, take out your iPad, take out your cell. We need to go on geomaps for the purpose of this exercise. Then, of course, it's, for, it's instruction-based. There's exceptions, to be fair. You know, kids with special education needs, health, um, as well as safety requirements. There's some exceptions built in, which are just based on common sense. But overwhelmingly, for a critical mass of kids, they don't need that. They're not part of that exception. And the idea is you're not going to have your cell phone present unless the teacher instructs it. I, I think we just need a little bit less, uh, you know, Instagram and a bit more focus when it comes to retaining knowledge and applying it in their life. Some experts say that the focus should be on, you know, teaching kids the impacts of, of text, like their, on their behavior and their health. Is that something that you would agree with? A hundred percent. And in the health and physical education curriculum, I'm actually so happy you raised that. You know, look, as I say, we embrace technology because we recognize it's part of the modern workforce and we want young people to have the skills and competencies to embrace, you know, the disruptive economy, the digital economy on the horizon. But having said that, you know, there's also a lot of social ills that come with over-dependence and over-usage of technology, particularly cell phones. Um, and so in the health and physical education curriculum, we do a few things to start to change that culture. Um, first of all, one of the big things is talking about the privacy impacts of technology, trying to really condition young people that what you say online could be used against you for employment down the road. We talk about in the context of, um, you know, victimization, you know, a, a trafficking and a variety of other forms of uh, victimization of kids that usually is, is, is the, 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 the mechanism or the platform is often, you know, social media, which is technology-based. So we're trying to provide and arm young people with the knowledge that they can keep themselves safe. I, mean, I believe in personal responsibility. I believe in arming our young people with all the knowledge they need to keep themselves safe, be responsible uh, uh, citizens of the country. But it's also about recognizing that there's also elements of technology that can be good. In the grade 10 curriculum that I announced at the very beginning of my ministry some months ago, the new grade 10 mandatory careers course includes elements on a technical, technological fluidity because, as I say, you know, look, you want to get a job today, whatever sector, public, private, no matter what you do, you've got to understand technology and embrace yeah. that data and taste that, that that forum and to reach new people and new audiences and particularly new, new customers. So And make you know, sure your, your selfie reflects your brand. Yeah, right. Well, you know, there there are other. Hey, it's as simple as that for the young kids. Well, and, you know, look, we laugh about it a bit. But the truth is, you know, it actually could be a very powerful tool to, I think, strengthen 
um, the capacities of young people to reach people, you know, when sure. it comes to, you know, when it comes to ad- advancing issues they care about. At the same time, as we know, things like you know, body shaming, bullying, cyberbullying. Mm-hmm. These are things I added into the, the health, the physical health curriculum for the first time ever. We now are the one of the only lead provinces in the nation to talk about cyber. Oh, talk about um, you know, body shaming, which is often but not singularly done online. It could be done in person too. We do this in the context of cyberbullying. There are so many brutal examples, just sad examples of young people being victimized, sometimes peer-to-peer, sometimes through sick adults that prey on kids. And either way, I want them to know that there's an element of resilience, that they've got their own abilities to escalate this to their administrator to keep them, uh, administration, principal, teacher to keep themselves safe, and also to know the signs of predator or predators on ground, predatory action by adults who literally do this as you know, uh, as their MO when it comes to preying on young kids and vulnerable people. So, you know, it's a balancing act, I think is a fair way to say, it, Kelly. But for today, it's saying to students, focus on learning, focus on the material at hand, and check Instagram and Snapchat and all that jazz. You could, there's a place for that. I'm not going to deny that. But do it during your spare, during your lunch, before and after. There's tons of time you can do. But I want teachers to know that we've got their backs when it comes to enforcing this policy. We're talking with Stephen Lecce, who's the Minister of Education here in Ontario. Uh, Stephen, uh, you know, a cell phone ban is one thing, but people have said enforcement is up to the teachers. What is that going to look like? Or do we just are we just going to leave it up to them to shame the kid that's got the phone out at the end of this the test? Yeah, I mean, there's some progressive disciplinary steps they can take. I mean, I don't want to overly emphasize, you know, the penal elements of this, but you're right. I mean, look, you've got to give parents. I mean, one of the, the reason why we did this in the first place is because under the former government, it was a dispatched approach. It wasn't a provincial framework. It wasn't standardized. There's no central thought pattern from the Ministry of Education. It was literally one board doing it, the public board doing it, the Catholic board not. Then you go to another community, the Catholic board doing it, the public board not. Another one, none of them did it. Like, it was just, there's no cogent application of this. So, why we're doing this is a standardize it province-wide b give them some teeth a bit of authority and we actually put into the regulation some steps they can take including going from talking to the student talking to the parent all the way to the principal uh but i i honestly when i speak to a lot of teachers they'll say look we didn't have the policy in my board but i had the ability with my students to socialize the idea and build a culture where they respected me enough but they, you know, they put it aside for like the overwhelming amount. And I think that's where I'd rather be. I'd rather do this through a sort of, you know, changing hearts and minds over a sort of a law imposing it on our kids. But I wanted to give teachers who felt a bit powerless a mm-hmm. bit of authority to say, look, if there's a real problem, if there's a child that is just, you know, like, I, you know, I'd want. Yeah, to- they don't have to be the bad guy. They can say, well, it's 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 not, this is the rule. It's beyond me. Yeah. It's Stephen Lecce's fault. Yeah. It's a little out. Yeah, you have to be the bad guy. You know what I get I'm to do bad. right now, Stephen? I've got you on the phone. We have the education minister on the line right now. We have a short clip from Laura Walton, president of QP's bargaining team. They uh, released the results of their ratification vote today, and here is what she had to say. Today I'm here to announce that the tentative agreement was passed by 79%. Although the agreement is passed, it was not passed over unanimously or by all locals. Your reaction to that, Stephen? Well, I congratulate uh, the union and the trustees, all the parties. We worked hard to get a deal. I think what it shows is, to be quite frank, um, that this government under this premier can get deals. Uh, we can get deals with labor. And that's why we demonstrate a reasonable, constructive tone. 
uh, you know, look, with respect to the ratification, we respect the process. It sounds like there's a, an overwhelming mandate or a strong mandate for its approval. I'll, I'll, I'll let's keep you contextualize what that means. But for me, I think for parents, what it means is predictability. It means their kids in class. And that's the focus of my ministry. It's what I'm doing at the negotiating table with teachers. But Kelly, you got to be reasonable to the process. And when I go out and announce a dramatic reduction from 28, the provincialized average of student uh, 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 class size, to 25, for another union, this is the high schools, the secondary teachers, OSSTF. When I go and make a major announcement to drop it from 20 to 25, the same day I did that, they come out by announcing that they're proceeding to put themselves into a strike position within mm. 17 days. So the contrast could be more clear for parents where I'm trying to be reasonable. And folks, I did the exact same approach, reasonable, constructive at the table with QP, and at the end of the day, you know, don't judge the process, judge the result. We got a deal that has now been officially ratified by all parties. And I think everyone is all parties can leave that table knowing that we all got a success out of this. So I want to do this with teachers, but it requires reasonableness. And I can't emphasize that enough. It takes two to tangle. I can't do this alone. And I need the OSSTF to come state the table and propose something that is going to help us get there. Because right now they haven't. Well, Stephen, with that, I'm going to let you go and uh, wish you a, a happy day. Okay, you too. Thanks, guys. Cheers. It's Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.